Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay, ladies, let's do some trials and triumphs. Everybody ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Okay, so one of my trials in my, my old house is that we have plaster walls everywhere mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we have picture rails. And I don't know if you all have tried to hang photos or paintings with a picture rail. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. It's kind of it? hard. No, I've never tried it. It always yeah. looks great, but. Yeah. So we got some things up and they look good, but like, so now my, my big thing is like, how do I do a gallery wall with picture rails? So mm-hmm. that's, yeah, that's that's kind of where nice. we're at. It's a lot of wires. Yeah. You know, does my gallery wall look like it's a marionette show? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um, <laughs> so that's that's what we're trying to figure out now. Oh, my I, gosh. Yeah. I always felt like the and I don't know if this is was really I assumed this was the case, but I felt like the paint jobs that were done on our picture rail, like made it to where the things like couldn't grip onto it. Like it was no. too gloopy or something. I don't know. I could never actually get the little hangers to hang on there. So we just put nails in the wall at our old house. I found some good hangers, just like some good, like cheapy ones for the for the walls that are all white in our house, just on you know Amazon. And then I found some really fun decorative ones, birds and snakes and kind of really kind of decorative art deco. Type what of do you mean? That was, That's cool. Yeah, where is it decorative like that? Is it the actual hook? The actual hook. Okay. On is, the yeah, molding. The actual hook ah. that you put up on the molding is decorative. Oh my gosh. So you could make it like decorative on decorative. Yes. Because you're hanging art. So yeah. Totally. It's So in some parts, it's really good. Yeah. So wait, did you get the, some of those fun ones? Yes. And I put those up on part. Half of our house has the original dark wood molding around the house. And so we use the decorative ones there. In our kitchen and family room, we have just a white, plain picture rail. And I tried putting one of the decorative ones in there, and it honestly just looked like there was a bug on the wall, and I couldn't deal. Oh, so because I, it was all white. Gotcha, <laughs> so I took gotcha, it down. Gotcha. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't You're stand like, it. You're like, that's a rope. I was like, ah. <laughs> I was like no, no, not, no. Um, could not, could not deal. <laughs> That's a cute it idea. Is, I never like, even knew the decorative ones. I like that. So how so is the gallery wall supposed to be in the white room, your living room? The the gallery wall is in our family room. You're asking the wrong person because I'm just to like throw a nail in the wall right? and I got to like move it over two inches. Oops, it's okay. I'll patch it later. Right, I, but you can't it's do like, that with plaster so walls. not the way to. Oh do my it. gosh, yeah. And I've where I can get away with it, I'm using those 3M Velcro hooks. Uh-huh. I use those things like crazy. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, those here, are great. But in here we have bigger pieces and they're heavier, so I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, I don't that's true. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I am zero yeah. advice. Hopefully, no, someone listening okay. is like, "Oh, this is how I did it." Because oh, yeah, because no. yeah, because I would imagine it would look <laughs> ridiculous yeah, with a ton of wires if you even did like two layers of photos. 
Yeah. I don't think so. Well, okay, you're using are you what kind of wires are you using? Is it wire? Is it fishing line? No, we're using we're using wire, like picture hanging wire. Um, and my husband did some research on like clasps and hooks and things. So he's got this kind of funky system to do to hang them, but every picture needs at least two wires. Otherwise mm-hmm. they yeah, they get wonky really quickly. Um, so every photo has two wires. So then what do you do about all of these? It's just a whole lot of wires and maybe I won't see them after a while. I don't know. Could you try to do some of them with fishing lines? So it's clear. I guess we could. I don't know. Why is that hard? I don't know that that would work with these special like clasps and hooks that have that kind of uh wire. I I would just, I mean, I'm trying, but yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, you may as well just go, like, put it up the way you want the gallery wall to look, and then... I don't know. Go from there. Yeah. And then rewire with... Because you're not really, I mean, you would be losing time, but sort of the the uh, advantage of the hooks is you're not actually... Dam- you're, there's, right, no there's damage no damage or anything. So you, so you can always just move it or take it down or change your right. mind. Maybe a symmetrical... Something more symmetrical. Like I'm looking at the ones so that yeah. for everyone listening, like it's in my turn and I can kind of see a few things in the background. Yeah. Like I could imagine you putting something symmetrically over the that far left one, mm-hmm. like a smaller something. You know what I mean? And so then like and if it's like centered, the top one, like add another one that's yeah. centered over the bottom one. It's a challenge. I feel like you should try it. I've got some other things of uh, some other pieces that I'm gonna try putting up there and we'll we'll see we'll see how maybe it goes. just I need to do get more, more maybe just do more bigger items and like leave the small ones for hallways and stuff yeah we have a you lot know? of smaller artworks just from smaller spaces mm-hmm. in previous homes now okay but i have a triumph too that's, yes. that's so not tell just, us. okay okay so this is a good one so i just got my house it was so incredible so our house is 90 years old cobwebs, dirt, dust from a busy street, everything. We had the whole thing washed and it was this soft wash process where it was not like a hard pressure wash, but it was like a mix of like pool grade chlorine and microbes Mm. and that they sprayed all over the house and cleaned everything up. And oh my gosh, like our back, our back porch was like, a serious before and after, like put it on TV. It was like crazy. <gasps> oh, it was so crazy. it felt so good. It was, it's so fresh. We have a port cochere and over our driveway, it's close to the mm-hmm. street. There was one part where the guys who were doing the washing just started yelling and getting giddy because they thought that what they were washing was dark black and it was green. <laughs> it was actually and they were like, look. They're like, look at that. I was like, who knew? So even yeah, the, so yeah cool. even the guys were impressed by how well they were they super did. impressed so <laughs> that feels super fresh yeah that's that, awesome i feel like that's something that i need to do and i just like add that to your like yearly or every other year like yeah well to-do list yeah my sister did it and her house is all painted white and when they they finished with hers they did the the porch that the whole house it looked like they painted the house and that's how it looked that good. Seriously, yeah. it looked it wow. looked that fresh. So you were like, "Sign me up!" So, yeah. Totally sign me up for a fraction of the cost of painting your house. 
Had- so do you think that it would you would do it yearly or is it something you would do like every couple of years? I would probably do it every couple of years. Yeah. I think probably every couple of years for us just because we're on a busy street. Yeah. Yeah. I need to I need that number. The number I'll get, you, I'll get, you, yeah. get you the number. Okay. That's a big win. It was like a brand new super, shiny house. Super, super win. Yeah. I mean And like you said, not repainting. It just literally needed to be cleaned. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Seriously. It was it totally freshened everything up. And where we thought our house was like kind of a gray teal green, it's actually a pretty bright teal green. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. You got a little surprise there. Yeah. All right, Taryn, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Sure, I can go. My update, which I guess is, mm, I don't know if it's my trial. My bats are gone. I think <laughs> um, the bat, bat guy came, Batman came, and he was like, it kind of looks like a trash bag. No, it was a trash bag. So they put pretty much staple a trash bag up on the edge of like the gable along the top edge of it so that the bats have to like, they wake up. They go to fly out. They hit the bag, the trash bag, and then fall down, like fall down against the house, you know, and out of the trash bag and can't get back in because they can't just like MacGyver their little hands back in. So yeah, then they, they can't like can't... sonar back in. Yeah. So that's how you get rid of them. And because, again, they're a, a protected species or whatever, they they just wait for him to leave. So he literally waited like a week and came back, took it down, put down some mesh over the gable and it's fixed. So anyway, I feel like that was, yeah. So bats are gone. So that was fantastic news. And we actually ordered our windows for our new home, which is super exciting. Oh my gosh. um, It was one of those where you gotta, you know, we had to pick a lot more decisions than I ever knew that there were in windows. Sorry, my, my youngest is home. And we ended up doing a different grid in the windows than the architect had drawn in the plans. So, but everything was based on the plans and they had, so when they quoted us everything, even the door that has a transom and has side lights, they did the grid in that same way. So when we changed the grid on some, they didn't change the grid in the side lights. Anyway, so then I'm like looking at the, just the 2D plans, you know, the flat face of the front of the house. And I'm photoshopping in the black and white line drawings of what the windows <laughs> will be from the, you know, like onto the architect's plan. And I'm like, David, I think the side lights are too wide. It's almost like we could have done double doors, but we have, uh, you know, one of the staircases is right behind one of the side lights. So you can't really put in double doors. And then it was like, do you thin it up and put it in a wider front door? But then again, you run into the staircase. So already it was like, you'll hear lots of these, I'm sure. But anyway, we have not ordered our doors yet was the end of that. But windows have been ordered. So the good part about that is at least if there's quite a lead time on that, like everything right now, but. It will be, yeah. So hopefully those will come in like three months and they'll be able to then like continue on the inside because they get to a certain point they can't continue until you close up the house, you know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll come in and be Whoa. right and everything. We'll see. I know. Wow. <laughs> everything is a domino effect. That it's like part is what you make is one so decision crazy. And then yes. Like that I did not even think about. But then the way the side lights were, they looked almost modern because they were too wide without a uh, another vertical or a vertical uh, grid line in them. And so it's like, mm-hmm. now it looks really like a modern side light next to these traditional looking windows. Anyway, I don't know what's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> do you think, okay, I remember a couple, this was like a decorating dilemma a while back. And this listener had drawings done for like an addition or a new house or something. And she was like very fixated on the windows being symmetrical because like the view wasn't symmetrical or something. I can't exactly remember what it was, but do you think it's one of, it could be one of those things where like looking at it in a drawing, you're like totally obsessing, but then if it were in real life, it might not be such a good thing. Yes, 100%, because it even matters what color the door is, because then what you do, you know, after you're like fixating on it, you drive around town, right? And you look at all the houses and you're like, well, there's, you know, their side lights are wider, but I've never noticed. I never drove past and was like, oh, those are a little wide. Yeah. But again, I'm obsessing on it because I'm looking at the 2D, like just line drawings and being like, it's too wide, you know? So, yes, you're right. Yes. The, so <laughs> the point is that should give you some oh. peace of mind that like it's not going to ruin the look of your house. Valid. You know, like, yeah, I mean, but even we get to pick out what our I mean, it's a custom door and I mean, everything's custom. So, yeah. But yeah, to then it's like, what's also, the paneling on you the You want to do this one yeah. time. Right. Because right. me being like, oh, I feel like we should redo the transom and the side lights, David. It's not going to be like, a, okay, let's redo that. No, it's going to be like, what? We just moved in. Like, no, we're not redoing yeah. that unless they're like leaking. Right, 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 right. Like you're doing this one time. you got to make it. So that's yeah. probably where I'm getting my stress from. But I'm fine. I'm fine. That, but anyway, that's, those are mine for the week. What's yours? So mine is that our nursery is like 95% done. So that's, that's good. That's triumph. 100%. Yes, yes. It's a triumph for sure. So, okay. I'm trying to think of where I left off last. I was talking to y'all about my rug dilemma mm-hmm. and how I was going to reuse this rug, but it was going to be like four inches too wide. Right. And so I was going to have yes. a custom one cut. Y'all, I got a cut. I got a... I posted on Instagram about it, and then I got the estimate, and it was, like, absurd. I mean, this rug was not even going to be 8 by 10, and it was going to basic, and this was just for a, like, the remnants from the warehouse wool rug, but, like, a factory-made wool rug. It wasn't, like, a hand-knotted wool rug, and it was going to cost more than, like, a hand-knotted rug from, like, church. Oh, my gosh. Like, it was... It was absolutely ridiculous. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not doing that because... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can find something else. So what I did is I ended up ordering a vintage rug from a place called Linda's Barn (laughs) that I had heard lots of bloggers and, like, a bunch of designers use. And she sent it to me. It looks great. It was a hemp rug, which I don't have any experience with, which... The price was very, very good, which was the compelling part to me. And the color is really pretty. It's old. It's sort of like mid-century modern era. And it's sort of like a chambray color. The other part of reason why I was kind of going vintage is because the size of the room is kind of weird. It's not like your standard rug sizes. And so you can kind of get some of those more weird sizes if you're going vintage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, they're not. I have some different yeah. sizes where right now the market right. is standard. So it was narrower but longer. Okay. Like I needed a six by like mm-hmm. 10 or 11 versus a six by yes. nine. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I get this rug. She did warn me. She's like, you know, be careful with like when you're cleaning it. Don't just like douse it in water. Kind of get stuff up with like a toothbrush. And I also have that steam cleaner, the Bissell steam cleaner. So I was like, okay, I can use that yes. because it like sucks the water out. So we're all good. 
We get the rug, put it down. It looks great. Well, <laughs> my dog promptly throws up all over it. <gasps> oh. Just, you How know, that you know like, when something yellow the house. Oh, I know. And Ugh. because it's, it's sort of in a, like a part of the house, like, you know, we, we aren't going in the nursery oh. very often oh. right now. Right. Oh. So I didn't find no. it for like 20 oh. hours. No. <laughs> so she did it without you even knowing. Oh. <gasps> yes. It was like, Okay, I don't want to gross people out, but it was like that yellow bile. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. you all ever? That's you all have, oh, yeah. and, and I have found that that yellow throw uh, up, that's uh, like, it's so hard oh. to get out. So, hmm. Okay, so I used my, I used some Folex, which was my number one mistake, because I think it was just like too strong for yeah. this okay. rug. Yeah. On like the biggest patch. I mean, there was like, six or seven patches oh. i mean literally like it was not just one <laughs> she ruined it like fully ruined yeah, it she pretty much no so okay i got most of it out the bissel worked very well did you put the bissels like, oxy clean whatever in there too or just water you did okay. yes yes yeah and like that got up like 90 percent of of it and it all dried and everything was fine. This one spot that was like the worst offender that I used the Folex yeah. on, it just discolored it uh. a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> that's my. So you trial. found the rug and then ruined the rug, promptly. Pretty much, yes. I mean, so what? So what I ended up doing because I'm not going to get another rug is I had a leftover cowhide rug that I had in our old house that I wasn't using. So I just kind of put that over, <laughs> layered it over at the um, <laughs> Caroline, that's brilliant. On top of the blue that rug. So it's just, you know, right, another layer in the room. It's great. So anyways, that was my ridiculous trial and triumph for my rug. It, it is very soft and I do really like the way it looks. And the section that is ex exposed looks great. There's just one Ugh. spot that's sort of like partway under my glider Ugh. that is not awesome. But, you know, yeah. whatever. It is. Yeah, that was that it was is what it is right there. <laughs> yeah. And my dog was on my major SHIT list. <laughs> For a while. I'm like, can't you just throw up on the hardwood? Yeah, there's Come plenty on. of those. Come on now. Yeah. Had to run the rug. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But anyways, and of course I didn't find until like 11 p.m. at night. And I was like, oh, no, I have to like, get you know, get down and like scrub on it. But anyway, it's fine. It's all cleaned up, but I shall move on. The good news is that cowhide rugs are actually very stain friendly. Like you can't really yeah. ruin a animal hide right so well, anyway. good we'll see maybe well maybe yeah. we'll put it to the test I'll, I'll keep it, it is still in the nursery so yeah yeah so yeah. tbd <laughs> all right let's get to our guest Okay, so we are thrilled to welcome back today's guest, interior designer Janie Molster. You might remember that she joined us back in 2019 on episode 117. And if you didn't listen, I highly recommend you go check it out. But she is a designer from Richmond, Virginia, who is known for decorating spaces with exuberant color and a masterful mix of antiques and contemporary pieces 
But she also has a brand new book with Monticelli Press called House Dressing Interiors for Colorful Living. So we're thrilled to have you back. Welcome back to the show, Janie. I'm so thrilled to be here and I uh, can't wait to talk about house dressing. It's This is such a great forum and you all always have the most interesting topics and questions. So excited to get going. <laughs> the hard balls. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. yes. We're going to, yeah, we're really going to stump you today. You're going to go after me. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> well, okay. The main word that comes to mind when I see your work is glamour. I just feel like every oh. single one of your rooms is so glamorous, even if you're using like old crusty antiques and like vintage rugs, the end result is just so glamorous. And I'm curious if that is just inherent in the types of things you're drawn to. Is that what your clients are asking you for? Do you feel like that's just your style? Like, where does that glamour come from? Oh, I I love that question. Well, (laughs) interestingly enough, there is a chapter in the book called Glamorous. And it's this chapter is really devoted to one sort of whole house project. But I, I love that you perceive my work as glamorous. I, I because I certainly that is something I strive for in my own house. It's it's always I want it to look glamorous. But if you've read my book, which I think you all have seen a lot of the copy and a lot of the layout, it's we talk a lot about building the kind of house that looks as good on year five as it did on the day of installation. So if if, if my work is coming across as glamorous, you're seeing it after installation, at photo shoots. Sometimes the work has been in for a couple of years. So, so that's a good end result because I am a big champion of um, live your life now. You know, don't wait until, you know, the I've said it a thousand times and even to them in the mirror to myself. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't wait until the toddlers stop carrying around the sippy cup because then that'll be the new puppies. And then the toddler will become a teenager and have sports equipment everywhere. And then the father-in-law will begin sloshing red wine everywhere. And then the friends come over and spill Chinese food on the white sofa. I mean, the life just keeps happening and, we have to live in our houses and we have to live our life now as glamorous as we possibly can in the moment. So, but we also have to, to set it up to be successful and set it up also to be durable. So those are my two, you know, things in the back of my mind all the time, durability and longevity, and then also beautiful and glamorous. So two big concepts that we work with every day. Well, and you speak to that in your newest book. You were saying that exact same thing to live yes. now, but you also were speaking to how the uh, in your example it was I believe a husband who was like I won't go in there, and then he passes you know this room and he looks in yeah. and then he's like oh there's a comfy looking chair and then he sits down and there's yes. the perfect place for his coffee and fast forward you know an hour later he realizes he sat there enjoying the space that was just perfectly designed for him even though it was he said, too glamorous. And I just thought that was a good, it was a great example. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, that that resonated with my, I live with, you know, I have four sons, adult sons and a daughter. And so between, you know, I grew up basically in a fraternity house, you know, <laughs> parenting. And they grew my daughter, <laughs> the youngest, definitely grew up in the fraternity house. And I'm always, I think I do 
personally like feminine, elegant interiors, but I can't help but think to what the guy Mm -hmm. wants, you know, because the guy wants the sofa that's long enough to take a nap on, you know, even if he's 6'2", you know, he wants a place where he can easily see the game. He wants to prop his feet up. He wants a place to put his beer, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's always in the back of my mind by virtue of my family experience. So, yes, I'm so glad you that resonated with you, the little comment about the um, the homeowner who found the prettiest room in the house and made it work for him. So it's kind of like if you build it, they will come. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes. <laughs> like if, if so it's cute. not comfortable and you don't design it to be comfortable, then you really won't mm-hmm. spend time in there. So if you design it with the intention of like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so gorgeous that you can't help but go in there, then you'll use it more, I would think. You have such beautiful interiors. And speaking to the male part of this as well, because, again, having four sons, I don't even know how you kept such a glamorous (laughs) home like you did. How do we, I know listeners have asked that before, you know, just like, how do I make it so my husband feels comfortable? But again, it's beautiful. What are some tips and tricks you used? Yeah, I mean, I think things that I have long since learned to avoid is, you know, the pretty little dainty antique chair that's somewhat fragile. It doesn't have a place in my house. I love it. I love them when I see them in antique shops. I always want to buy it because that's the kind of thing I'm drawn to, but it never works. So, and, and also things like lots of little small side tables, those things just turn into bowling balls in my house. So what I've learned is we need, you know, we need chairs that you know, sometimes you'll see, you know, someone, a, a larger man walk past a chair because it looks like a lady's chair, you know, and, you know, we, every chair in my house can accommodate every single person. So I think that's one thing I've learned it, it, that I have to fight myself on some of my inherent sort of preferences to remember, okay, is everyone going to be comfortable there? And from that perch, do what do you have accessible to you? Do you have a place to turn a lamp on over your shoulder? Do you have a place to put your cup of coffee? How far away is the remote? I mean, I'm thinking through to the actual living and it's important. What we all really want to do all day is just create beauty. But uh, I do think my family experience has uh, just sort of ground practicality and livability into into my brain. And so I am always thinking past pretty into livability. And and I think that's the point you bring about. And and I do, I think about it's it's really, you know, no sort of parlorish parlor-esque, so to speak, furniture. You know, we don't have things that sit you up really straight. You know, every room I want to be a room that you might take your shoes off and lean back in your chair. So that's one way that I think I make rooms attractive to all kinds of people. But there's a way to do that and still have pretty in the quotient. You know, it doesn't have to be a slouchy sectional to invite people to come and lounge and chill out and movie binge or whatever. And um, so there's a place for those, certainly in our designs. But you have to have a mix of um, of those elements. Okay. I, I feel like every single uniqueness just seems to be a huge priority for your designs. Like every single, there's not a wasted moment, basically, you know, like every side table or coffee table, drapery panel, piece of art, like nothing is, um, I guess, gratuitous. It's all has a personality and like packs a punch. And so it's just like, how do you 
make all of that work together in a way that doesn't feel cluttered because your spaces don't, but, but everything is so, such a wow moment, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, I love hearing that. I, I, what we do is a lot of editing. Oh my gosh. You know, and that's really hard because I love things, mm. you know, I'm a maximalist. So, but editing is huge. Sometimes if you don't edit correctly, you can't see what's really beautiful in the room because visually everything is so cluttered. So I do think editing down so you can actually see your beautiful things is so important. So there is a lot of um, very calculated editing that goes in on the front end. And then, um, you know, I'm also a believer in fewer, stronger things. And, you know, the things that pack a punch, we talk about all the time, like it's my job to get scale correct to get balance correct. I mean, there are things that are right and wrong in interiors, and and we very much care about getting those things, you know, hitting the mark exactly on those things. But the thing that is, is not black and white are the things that sometimes happen after we leave that the homeowner does themselves. And that's, to mm-hmm. me, what makes the room really sing with personality. And so, you know, I'm always you know, telling people when they say, oh, well, I have this really unfortunate piece of furniture that's followed me around for, you know, 23 years and my great aunt gave it to me and I don't know what to do with it. And it's not particularly attractive. And, you know, so my question is always, do you love it? Like when you walk in and see it, does it make you happy? And if they say, yes, I love my aunt. And every time I see it, it makes me smile. I'm like, it's going in your house. You know, that's that's you. That's the part of it that makes it you. So I think some of those personality pieces are finding the thing that sings to our client and then finding mm-hmm. ways that they can express their personality. And I'm always encouraging people you know, when they are second guessing their taste in art or some, you know, family heirloom that they've been um, traveling around with. And I'm saying, you know, take the plunge, you know, make it you. And sometimes the thing that's just sort of a little bit wrong in the room is the thing that separates the room from the room that's exactly right, like showroom ready. We don't encourage that. And in the book, I say at one point, when I leave everything and it's perfectly installed and I'm walking out the door, I always have to go back in and mess something up before I go. <laughs> because when I mess it up a little bit, rearrange the pillows, you know, you know, no karate chops on this sofa. We're not doing that. You know, I just have to leave something a little off. Okay, so I love this idea of something has to be a little bit off or irreverent or wrong. But, yes. okay, what are the things that have to be right? Because, <laughs> because certainly... Only certain things can be wrong, I would think. So that's the first thing is you've got to, the very first thing we do in a room is we lay out the space plan. And that is a right or wrong thing. A room can be too crowded with furniture. It can be not furnished enough. You can have a chair that is four feet tall. You can have a sofa that's 27 inches tall, and that will just look wrong. So scale is very important. And then there's balance. And that means that you know you can't weight one side of the room too heavy with furnishings and art and accessories and then leave the other side kind of lightweight. That has to be balanced. And then the last thing is color balance. And it doesn't mean that you have to use a lot of color everywhere. It means if you have a room that has very minimal color, you know, just a little, you know, dash of yellow, 
the yellow has to like make its mark all the way around the room. It can't just be in one corner. You've got to spread the color balance around the room as well. So those are the three things that I think truly are right and wrong. Beyond that, it's so subjective, which is what makes it so fun. That's why there's so many great interior designers. There's so many great projects. There's so much great material out there is because after that, it's our own opinion and the client's opinion. So and and it's rarely wrong, you know, if you get those three things right. So, well, I love that you use window treatments to layer in color and to bring an in interest into the room, especially with floor to ceiling drapery which I think is gorgeous. And you do that with color blocked panels or full silk panels that feel like it's more of a ball gown skirt, which I think is just yes. gorgeous. Or even drapery as art with a unique pattern. So what are some things that you consider when you're creating unique and dramatic drapery? And how do you create the balance with that these bold pieces of drapery to so that they don't take over the room? Right. So you know, the, it's generally in a perfect world, it's all thought of at the same time. You know, the room is pulled together at the same time. Certainly there's plenty of times where we're called in to do the last layer. But in a perfect world, we put that schematic together um, on day one. But I'm a big, huge proponent of natural light. You know, I, I want to bring the outside in. So when we can, we always try to Put our hardware above and outside of windows so that if the curtain we always have working curtains we we never it's sort of it's you know i i say this and i don't want to offend anyone but it's against my religion not to have working curtains i just <laughs> will not have it if i have a religion that's the one but but i just you know the curtains they shouldn't be up there if they can't work i'm not a snob about much i shop at ikea you know you can't i love you know i love every big box store but the curtains have to be hung made correctly and it doesn't matter if it's in linen or inexpensive you know cotton it doesn't matter they have to have the right amount of volume and they have the rods have to be hung correctly and that is truly the difference in a really successful window treatment that seems elegant and one that doesn't you know use enough fabric sticks to the rules of volume and for us to create that sort of luxurious feel it's really you take your rod and it's two and a half times the width of the window is the volume of fabric that you use. For an unlined shear, we use over three times the volume of fabric. So that's that is something that, you know, if if I ever go back in and redo someone's curtains after another person before me, it is generally to fix volume. So I always say to people, if Fortuny is not in your budget, we're going to find we're going to use the fabric that we can create the curtains correctly with. And that's so much more important than having some over the top fabric is the construction. And I think that's what you're seeing when you're looking at the window treatments that are feeling elegant and glamorous. You're what is resonating with you, I think, is volume and just how they're hung. Yeah, uh, because the we do sometimes use color and sometimes we use color blocking. Sometimes we use solids to your point, but I think we're kind of known for window treatments. And I think that's really what sets us apart. But um, but back to the color balance that you mentioned, how do you, you know, when do you use pattern? When do you use this uh, solid, a neutral? I think in a perfect world, 
you've put the balance of that room together. Do you need color? Because if you need color, maybe the window treatment is needs needs to have a color. Do you need pattern in the room? And that really drives us more than I like my window treatments to be neutral and white, or I like my window treatments to be boldly patterned. It's really the whole picture of the room, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You have, did you make those ombre or dip dyed? Oh my gosh, these are so gorgeous. Oh, no, is twice. that fabric not delicious? <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I, I know. Those, I believe that's a designer's guild fabric. They do the most beautiful job. And it's this, it's the cloth is this divine Belgian linen that is just kind of got that, you know, how when you wash an old antique tablecloth, that wonderful rumply linen look that it has, that's how it comes off the bolt. And I'm obsessed with that. We've used that fabric in another colorway once before. I think it might be in the book. Yeah, we have it in the book in that kind of violet colorway and also in a green colorway. It, and it's it's not a pattern, you know, because what I find is that my clients, if they tire of something, it's pattern. So we, we I make them take pattern home with them, put it in the front seat of their car, put it beside their bedside table, look at it for a few weeks, love it on day, you know, 21, as much as you loved it on day one, we'll use it. But if ever, you know, you want to change something out and you're not sure about pattern, my suggestion is to use pattern in a small way, like on a pillow or something like that. That ombre is really not a pattern. And so, as I say, you'll never tire of it because it's really just, you know, it's a whole different genre of fabric type. So anyway, I'm so glad you like that. That was that's a little bit of a walk on the wild side. So um, <laughs> I'm glad it's appealing to, to you. <laughs> Gorgeous. OK, well, you have to talk about color even like we I have so many more. We've touched on it, but I have so many more questions for you. One of the things that I that I love about what you do is I feel like the color combinations that you use are often unexpected. And so, for example, one of my favorite rooms in the book was this sort of, it was a living room and it sort of had a pinkly, pink, pinky purpley wall color with like mauve drapes and then uh-huh. this chartreuse sofa. Yes. And okay. Like, how do you pick a color? It seems like you often have a dominant color and then another color that's strong, but not as much of it, but it like really energizes that other color, you know, like the mauve and chartreuse or like there's one room with like raspberry and sort of a citron apricot mm-hmm. and hot pink. Like wh- where are you coming up with these combinations? Because they're so yeah. gorgeous, but they're very <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's so interesting. I always tell my clients, if, if you have you ever played around, if you, you know, a lot of art school people have these in their backpacks, but with a color wheel, with a real color wheel. And if you if you look on a color wheel and you just look at the opposites, and, and I certainly didn't intent, start out intending to do that, but we had one laying around the office a few years ago. And I realized that is sometimes draws that accent color that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this point, I mean, I promise if you did, if you worked with color every day, as much as I do, you would be probably better at it than me. But sometimes you just inherently go to the opposite because you know, the foil is going to make both colors look better. So uh, that is, but if you look on the color wheel, sometimes 
those those weird colors that somehow make each other sing are opposites on a color wheel. So I think for somebody trying to experiment with using not maybe the go-to combinations to play around with that. And it really does work. Everything, and it's true of just mixing, not just mixing color, but mixing design elements. You know, the uber contemporary accessory really sings next to the antique one, you know, but if everything Mm -hmm. was uber and uber contemporary, you might not notice it. So it's back to having a foil. And I think that's what you're noticing about the color combinations. Yeah, I'm excited for everybody to see this room because it is such a a showstopper. In flipping through the book, it was just like, whoa, it it totally made me stop. And then you turn the you turn the page and there's a beautiful picture of orchids that you have set in the room that are also carrying that colorway in yeah. them, which I think was gorgeous too. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, that, that, that room is one of my favorites too. I, I, I love it. It was a show house that we did up in Northern Virginia and I don't do a lot of show houses, but they're so fun because it's really where you flex your muscle and you can do, you know, there's no client. So what are you mm-hmm. doing? Exactly what you want to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I love that you love that because that room really speaks to some things, some combinations that are, are near and dear to me. Well, I feel like, like you said, Liz, everyone has to go get the book because my description with the pinky purpley walls and the mauve curtains and the chartreuse sofa probably sounds it, really yeah. wacky, <laughs> but it is so pretty. It, it is so pretty. It is so, so pretty and so unexpected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we all, because I am a huge proponent for pink. So you and I, again, good. would get along. I know I have so many pink pillows. I just love pink. How do you do pink so well? And I almost, and I'm almost speaking to the wall colors because you also mm-hmm. haven't made it where anything feels Pepto or gross or um, or childish, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think if, yeah. if I say, let's do pink walls, like, people in their head have an image that's not of a nursery of a baby of a baby girl nursery you know i i'm with you and same true true is true with pale blue you know people mm-hmm. always think about a nursery but but you know there's a word that my team kind of doesn't like that much but i use it all the time and that is we've got to muddy this up a bit you mm-hmm. know and and it's true with using whites as well as paint colors but with pink you really have to muddy up pink to, to make it more sophisticated. If you go with clear, pure pink, it can look juvenile or it can look, it just can look, you know, girly. What we're trying to do is just create a really pretty flattering backdrop of pink. Now, I do have a room in my house and this is kind of funny. So, you, you know, I, I talk a lot in my book about color tolerance and that's a little journey that I encourage everyone to go on and, and it's easy to figure out your color tolerance can change. But I have a room that is really deep, saturated, bold pink. And, and I love it. I'm so drawn to it. I love to go sit in there. It it energizes me. It I think everybody looks so pretty or handsome in there because it's so flattering. And one of my sons, Pierre, was sitting in there with me not long ago. And he was like, Mom, can we move over there. This room is just exhausting me. He <laughs> was like, this color is exhausting. And I was like, that is fascinating, you know, because I, yeah, I react mm-hmm. so differently to it. So I think, um, you know, 
not just pinks, but all color, kind of figure out your color tolerance. And I think to your point of how to get it a bit more sophisticated is to muddy it up a bit. And there's really, there's a tint at every paint shop, Sherwin-Williams, Benmore, whatever, raw umber. Raw umber literally can just, you can use too much of it, but that actually just brings the level of sophistication up, I feel like, in almost every color. It knocks that baby pink down. It makes it just sort of this perfect little backdrop for, for a room, for, for you know, almost back to being a neutral, which, you know, my husband rolls his eyes when he hears me say pink is a neutral, but it, it's not maybe not quite. <laughs> I've tried to brainwash him, but I, I don't know if it worked. But um, I do think that you know you can you can quiet it down and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's that's a little trick for uh, for for people who are doing it an at home project with paint is raw well, Taryn, umber. You yeah. Taryn has two boys and a husband, so mm-hmm. you're going to be sort of <laughs> I know pulling I, a page out of Janie's book for your new house. <laughs> One page. I literally was like, I yeah. need this whole book for because <laughs> um, I just appreciate how it doesn't feel like. Again, I have four boys and a daughter living here. It does not feel like that. And um, I love that about it. Yeah. Well, you yeah. and I can have some offline like <laughs> consultations about about what's getting ready to happen in your world as they get a little bit older. But, uh, but um, I'm here for I you. Know. Just remember that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Help yes. me. Help me survive. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to follow with talking of paint colors. Going the opposite way, say you live with someone who just loves gray and you are just not a gray person. This is a personal question, but I feel like others <laughs> must live with this. How do you as a pink person work with a gray person and how should you teach them to kind of push their um, color limits? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this is like a significant other <laughs> and, you know, I, I think there's got to be a meeting of the minds. I do find that I think maybe you, you wouldn't paint pink walls in that person's house, mm-hmm. but you could have some pink accessories. You know, you could have a pair of pink lamps. You could have mm-hmm. pink lampshades, pink pillows, you know, bring a lot of pink in in your artwork. Uh, but I, I and I also think it's interesting. People think they don't they don't respond to a certain color. And then if it's if it's used in a way, if you and I'm. And I hope I'm not offending any husbands out there. But if you go in the side door <laughs> instead of the front door <laughs> on the color, I think sometimes you can slip it in. So maybe the mm-hmm. sofa is not covered in this. Maybe the curtains are not in this. Mm-hmm. But you can bring a lot in in more subtle ways, like the ones I mentioned before, mm-hmm. as, a, as a test run and then kind of expand a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, But, yeah, that, that side door I think would be key on that as opposed to... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, there I was Taryn though. There was that. There was one living room, and in, that I'm thinking of in particular, that was actually largely neutral and had a lot of gray in it. And then you had like these. It's on. It's actually on the same. It's the same house as the ombre, the chartreuse ombre panels. You had sort of some like a gray graphic print pair of chairs, um, sort of a creamy gray like a white gray um sofa and rug and and walls so like it's like almost the whole shell of the room is sort of a cool white but then Mm -hmm. there was all these accents of like chartreuse and pink and i feel like yeah you could slowly build on that yeah 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 (laughs) start there yeah i think yeah definitely and i think that 
it's so interesting. And then sometimes you put it in there and, you know, you'll have someone who lives in the house with you that'll walk by a room 15 times before they go, when, where'd that chair come from? Or are those lamps new? And you know, those lamps have been there for six months. No, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting. How, how, what do they, they see it on a paint chip or they see it in a magazine and they're like, I don't like that. But once they put it in their house and there's so many other things to look at that capture their eye that they're drawn to, you'll be, I think it's surprising what people really actually see. Uh, because, you know, you and I, I mean, you, based on what you all do, what I do, we're all visually looking all the time. We're looking and noticing. A lot of people are just going in and they're experiencing a room like just the, just in a big sensory way. It's not just visual. So mm-hmm. I, I think you'd be surprised what you could slip in there. <laughs> Give it a try. <laughs> Okay, we haven't talked about antiques, and I feel like we have to with you because you use antiques so beautifully, and I love the way you combine them with contemporary items. I'm curious how you shop for antiques. Do you buy things just whenever you see them, or do you shop individually for a client? Yeah, well, Caroline, I do now. For so long, you know, it's it's I would go to an antique show, and we traveled to do that. And, you know, there's great ones in the U.S. all over the place. But I would go shopping. I'd have a shopping list. We make a shopping list before we go. We have sometimes we travel with blueprints. We know what we're looking for. But just it's very similar to clothes shopping. (laughs) You know, when you're looking for that special dress to wear to that wedding, you're never going to find it. But if you're out trying to go buy a pair of earrings, you're going to find five dresses that day. So uh, it's I find the shopping for antiques is like that. And so I used to be on a flight home or a drive home from an antique show. And the thing that would I'd just be wrestling with the whole thing or the thing I'd be waking up all week about is the piece I walked away from that I knew was special, I knew was unusual, and I knew was a good value. I just didn't have a home for it. So I've stopped torturing myself with that. Now I buy it. It's warehoused and it's working out so much better. But I think what happened during the pandemic is so many of my great dealers couldn't travel internationally. So um, there was a whole lot of, um, you know, frustration in shopping for antiques, not only with for people like me, interior designers, but also with antique dealers. So um, and now I've really and I was using it to an extent, Internet sources. But now I've really started, uh, you know, going to Cherish and First Dibs and all of these great vendors on a regular basis. And I tell people, you know, these are these have, dealers have been vetted by a third party. You know, if you can feel safe, these dealers have return policies. Even if you're buying something from Sweden, it's returnable, you know. And uh, so I am really trying to get my clients used to the idea of that. And we've started using that, too. And oh, my gosh, it saved us during COVID. And now, of course, people can travel. And I've gotten all these great emails recently from dealers that we frequent that they're back from their buying trip and big containers on the way. So but yes, how I shop for them is, is travel and always on the hunt. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is how thankful I am to my children and appreciative because they all the times, you know, I wheeled off the road and was like, wait, wait, I saw an antique <laughs> store. We're going to run in here for five minutes. And um, and they're 
you're like, oh, no, mom, please. But I'm always looking I, and I, I can't help myself. And um, but it's such a great hunt, such a great, you know, um, it's, it's, it's rewarding. I'm always coming home with the treasure. Do you feel like that's a good thing that the average person can do just buying a special piece when they see it? Or do you feel like you really need to have your floor plan and your plan in place before you shop? Because I feel like there's sort of two camps there. Yeah. And I, I think, honestly, I think that if you see something and you love it and it's, you know, singing to you the moment you look at it, you can't get it out of your head, you should buy it. You know, I'm a big believer. If you buy it and you love it, you'll find a place for it, no matter where you move, no matter how big that wall is. And that holds true. And so if I'm, I, if, if you can afford it and it's fabulous and you think about it and it speaks to you, buy it when you see it. And, and don't, it's kind of like, you know, people say this piece of, does this piece of art match my room? I really, really love it. I'm not sure it matches my room. I'm like, it doesn't need to match. Do you love this piece of art? Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, and I'll, I'll reference things in my own house, the journey of where the piece of furniture or the painting or whatever has been, how many different uses, how many different rooms. But, you know, I'm always going to have it because I love it. So, yes, you need to buy that piece when you see it at that very moment. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Don't walk away. <laughs> okay. So I'm wondering... What is the newest piece that you found that you are just madly in love with in terms of antiques? Something that you've maybe found for your own home. Yeah, yeah. So let's think about that. I know. What do we have here? Oh, I know. I just bought a beautiful secretary in Charleston, South Carolina, at from a dealer that I'm really fond of, and I always find great things there. It's painted. It's white with a wonderful little crosshatch yellow pattern painted on it. It's very Sister Parish-esque. You know, it looks like maybe someone painted it on a Saturday afternoon, which I kind of love. It kind of has a little bit of a hand-done hand quality to it. And uh, it just seems very sort of old. It's a, for a Florida condominium, and it just seems very old world and very sort of South Florida. So I was so intrigued with that and um, has lots of funny little drawers. And I love secretaries and I felt like this one was just such a special one. So that's a new favorite. You always address the ceilings as well in your rooms. Mm -hmm. Do you have any white ceilings in your own home? Yes, I do. I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that they're not ceiling white, <laughs> so to speak, but they're a version of white. Like if I have a white room, my kitchen's pretty white. And so the ceilings are some version of white there. I, I think that, you know, when I first started in this business, a painter who'd been in around forever cautioned me in my 20s and said, you know, Janie, you have to always paint the ceilings white because it makes your room feel bigger. I think we were all told that. And so what I try to talk to people about is, the ceiling and the floor are just additional planes in the room. You've got the four walls of the room and the ceiling is just one more plane, just like the floor is. And so it doesn't mean the floors always have to have a dark stain and it doesn't mean the ceilings always have to be ceiling white. Just think of it as another plane. And sometimes what really makes a room feel bigger if, is if the color is continuous. The color just wraps the room and wraps up onto the ceiling and, you know, there's no 
edge where we switch the color, you know, into a new plane, sort of new color. And sometimes that's distracting. But if you always like, you know, a reason to look up, you know, I always think that's important. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just have to be a chandelier. It can often be a ceiling treatment. So when you're in the business of creating visual interest, ceiling white is just a missed opportunity Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do something more fun. So we and and people are, you know, it's just an industry trend, too. I think everyone's becoming open to that fifth wall. And so um, it's been fun to watch. We've been doing it for a while. But now, you know, it's not such a big conversation with our clients. They're jumping on board straight away. So it's fun. That was perfect. No, I just want I wanted to hear more because I noticed it in almost every room. I would in your book, I was I was noticing there was some other element in the ceiling. You yeah. Know? So it was really intriguing. To your point, it was a fifth plane to look at. So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we should do a decorating dilemma. What do y'all think? Yeah. Dear ladies, I love your podcast and learning something new in every episode. Your guests are fascinating, and I really love the way they help listeners resolve their design dilemmas. I have one that I think is quite common, how to put together an interesting neutral room. We recently moved into a home that, while traditional on the outside, has a very open floor plan. My husband and I are retired, and we enjoy the abundant light and spaciousness of the interiors. However, we are beginning to realize that there are design challenges with so many sight lines from room to room. I've been searching for months for just the right fabric for my traditional family room sofa and a pair of club chairs, which we plan to have reupholstered. My go-to formula has always been to do the sofa in a flat neutral and use contrasting and more textured colors for the pair of chairs. Now, I would like to break out and do something different. I really don't want another pair of contrasting blue chairs. The rug in the room is heavily textured custom wool. The adjacent dining room has walls and ferrum ball pigeon and a geometric sisal rug. We plan to add two large chinoiserie framed prints to the dining room walls for additional color. We'll use Ushak rugs in the foyer and runners in the kitchen for more color and texture. There will be two other chairs in the family room. The gray wing chair in the corner near the fireplace will eventually be replaced with a Berger chair or Berger style chair and ottoman in a large print that will add a fun pop of color and design to this neutral room. This chair and ottoman will be visible as you walk in the front door, so we prefer to find the foyer rug first and then select this color. There is also a small occasional chair with a rounded cane back. Once rugs and bergere fabrics are selected, we will finish with more color and texture in the sofa pillows. I'm not too worried about finding these elements, but before I do anything, (laughs) I want to resolve what to do with the sofa and club chairs. My initial thought was was to skirt the sofa and use a linen look looking cream performance fabric on it, perhaps with a contrast band on the skirt. But every textured neutral I find for the chair still doesn't seem to give enough contrast. It either looks too much like the sofa, the rug, or the geometric pattern, which I consider too busy, especially with what I have in the adjoining dining room. Should I stay with my plan of having both cream sofa and a pair of cream textured chairs, or do I have other, or do you have other suggestions? I'm beginning to wonder if the problem is the neutral rug. Without color on the floor, is this primarily neutral game plan just too boring? Because the texture of the rug, layering a small pattern rug over it would not be my preference. Lately, I have been wondering about the performance of velvets. I do, I could do the sofa in a taupe or warm gray velvet and use a cream well. That would give me neutral with a bit of more contrast and might open more options for the chairs. I've also thought about doing the performance linen on the chairs instead of having an upholstered piece 
with a white stripe down the center of the back and seat cushions in another colorway in the same performance linen. But then I'm back to finding something with enough texture different from the sofa. We have young grandchildren, so I believe it is important to use performance fabrics, but I feel like the performance fabrics I see are not highly textured or interesting. They just took too bland together because they are similar textures. I use on the one for the tone-on-tone -tone geometric and hairy bone patterns. Okay. I would consider using a, I know, durable, <laughs> non-performance fabric in the chairs if I had them treated. Christy, okay. you and I, I get you because I feel like you're an overthinker. You you have considered every <laughs> angle, you know, every option. And I, I, I understand. I have the same <laughs> problem. Yes, I have some ideas for Christy. I definitely love where she's going with performance fabrics. Why not? And and I, I'd say just with regard to your point about uh, pattern, I'm with you on that. I think that they just aren't being produced in enough great patterns yet. So stick with the solids, whether it's velvet or linen or whatever, but definitely go with the performance fabrics. I mean, we did a little, um, you know, sort of touch test recently and on our team. We got a tons of new fabric samples of performance fabrics and we were feeling it. We were like, you know, and these things are made of polypropylene or whatever, you know, they're probably made out of a plastic bottle. I don't know what they're made out of, but they're tough. And we were feeling them. And five years ago, they felt scratchy and itchy and soft. There is, we could not tell the difference in uh, silk and linen velvet and the performance fabric velvet. So they've come so far. So if it was me, I would definitely consider going slightly darker on your sofa. And and yes, to your point about, you know, a whether it would be a warm taupe or a gray, do that to ground your room. Just, you know, that will be a piece of furniture that will literally ground your room, get some weight in there. And and based on what you have in there already, I can tell you I wouldn't skip to the furniture store and invest in a whole bunch of pattern. I just don't think that's you. I can see what you're drawn to. And I think you're drawn to a quieter mix of materials. So one thing that I think that your house needs is warmth. And so in addition to the pieces of furniture that you've talked about adding, um, you know, you might consider on that back wall with all that wonderful light and doing some really beautiful sheer curtains. And, you know, if you want to hear my thoughts on curtains rewind the podcast and you can go back to <laughs> earlier when I was on a rant about curtains being made correctly but uh but that I just think that we just installed in a room very similar to yours with a bank of windows and doors on one back wall and the client really wanted to keep her view so we made sure that the curtains had a place to bank between panels so we were meant you know blocking out as little light as possible. And the fabric is sheer and unlined and it was transformative in warming up the room. So that would be one thing. The other thing I would consider for your room is so you don't walk, so you don't look at the back of your sofa, which it's rare that that's a pretty thing. Consider adding like a pretty console table to the back of that sofa. Just, um, you know, we always talk about eliminating roadblocks and the back of a sofa typically is what we call a roadblock. So make that sort of more of a place of interest. And I think your color and pattern can be on pillows, on a lampshade. It would be great to add, you know, 
and talking about grandchildren and family, more little like um, maybe a little upholstered bench in front of your sofa. That can be a place for color and pattern. But if I were you, I would stick to the big bones of the room being neutral. And lastly, your room is so nice and spacious, your living room is. So um, maybe size up a bit on your coffee table and consider a room arrangement like the the chair that you're replacing with the bergere over by the fireplace, you know, your your furniture is rather spread out. We call furniture that's really pushed back to the edges of the room like that. We are, we always caution our clients, don't create a timeout space where your guest is in timeout because he's, he's so far away. She, from. She yeah. did say grandkids, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, it might be a, a timeout chair, but um, don't create timeout chairs for your guests. You know, make sure that if there are multiple people sitting in that room, that it's a convivial seating arrangement and people are connected to each other by way where you place the furniture. So that would be a thought about that. But yeah, I would do color and pattern and don't, you know, it doesn't just have to be pillows. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, it can be color on a pattern lampshade. It can be, you know, a colorful stack of coffee table books. Uh, there's just all kinds of subtle ways to add it. You mentioned adding some art. That would be a great way to add color. But I I wouldn't be hung up too much on um, adding pattern on those pair of chairs. And I'm with you. Don't just do another pair of blue chairs. Walk on the wild side. Keep it, you know, do them in performance white linen. Do your sofa in taupe velvet. You're done with the big decisions. Then so go on a accessories buying spree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take it and try it. <laughs> Her rug is also so large and such a nice base. Like, I feel like she could do some some other pattern, colorful rug, you know, subtle color too, just smaller on, you know, lay it on top. Like, if she yeah. happens upon something yeah. later down the road that's really special or... Yeah, I love that. You know? I mean, and that defines that little conversation area. It just in a room that's nice and spacious, like her big, great room. I felt like she said something about not liking that look so much. Oh. Somewhere uh, in there, maybe. Am I right? She said I'm right. not particularly keen on adding a little smaller, but but that is such a great thing to do is for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do that all the time under the coffee table. It just sort of, again, when we, it grounds the space and defines it. And uh, mm-hmm. if she's open to that, I, I agree. That's a no brainer. Great idea. What about in her dining room? I feel like it's got such a great, that I mean, chandelier. Her, her chandelier is mm, really yeah. fabulous, yeah. but. What about her? I feel like she needs some some Janie Molster like window treatments in there. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, she, like yeah. something real bold. Yeah, no, I feel like yeah, this house that that room definitely needs it needs pretty curtains. It does, and then I also tell people, um, I think what would be people get stuck about um, what to put on their dining table, and, and she needs mm. something really fabulous to sit on her dining table. And it doesn't need to be alive. It doesn't need to be a group of orchids. It doesn't need to be any kind of a plant material or flower arrangement. It can be a collection of vases. It can be one big, huge sculpture of something. But um, having something that lives on your dining room table that doesn't need to be watered is a wonderful thing. (laughs) And it also just makes the room feel like it's it's alive as opposed to waiting for the next dinner party, you know. So mm-hmm. I would suggest looking for something like that just to live on our dining room table. And, you, you know, you're, you're spot on with regard to the window treatments. Um, you know, I, I would 
she's got a great place. She's got plenty of room to bank those curtains so she keeps all of her natural light. It would be a game changer. And uh, like, do Hay- something really, really bold and fabulous. Like, yeah. And look in she- Janie's book for some inspiration because her window treatments will really knock your socks off. Yeah. I mean, she could even do that same color that she's got above the chair. You know, one thing I would consider doing if and it looks like she's recently moved, so she'd have access to this, is I would consider painting the walls all the same color as opposed to chair rail up being one thing and chair rail down another. And again, talking about planes in the room, what that does is it basically divides the room, cuts it in half horizontally. And in most houses, what we're trying to do is create sense of space and height and ceiling. So keeping her walls all on one plane would help. And then uh, she could even, if she's nervous about pattern and color, she could take that same color that's on her walls and do, you know, fabulous silk or faux silk taffeta in the same shade, have that sort of monotone, would be extremely sophisticated, yet warmth and Mm -hmm. elegance. So then does she pull that color? Because, you know, she has a great view of that dining room from the living room. So then does she use that that color again in the... Yeah, that, that, okay. that, yeah, they they need to be thought of as a unit. You know, they are okay. basically the same space. I mean, they all of her, you know, her kitchen area, that's all a unit. We would, if we were doing a schematic board, we'd have it on the same board because they need to talk to each okay. other. So you're absolutely right. She definitely should pull it around those rooms. She has such a good, mm-hmm. like... This, it is such a good space. Be, yeah, it's such a good space. Feels great and she has in so there. much room and good bones already. Agreed. Yeah. So much natural light. It's such a nice and I love her house. light fixtures. Good light fixtures. And her hood is beautiful in her kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like she. Just, yes. She, well done, Christy. It just needs throw yeah, paint so in there. The kitchen island is so cool too. How it's half mm-hmm. and half. Yeah. half. It's half wood and then half marble. Yeah, it's really pretty. Very great. Janie, can you tell everyone where to find you, follow you, see your work? Yes. So, uh, yeah. So the book is, (laughs) is actually, I think it arrived in America today to my publisher's warehouse. Actually, no, it arrived in customs today. It it will be another couple of weeks before we'll be actually touching it, (laughs) but it is, um, so it's available on my website. If you're interested in a signed copy, um, that would be the place to look, look me up there. And there's a, you know, a link to purchase there, but also, um, on September 7th, it's available to, that's for pre-orders on September 7th, you know, it's available for pre-order now at Barnes and Noble, certainly Amazon, you know, every book vendor uh, should have it. It's being distributed by Penguin Random House. So pretty much everybody has it on a portal house dressing and we're JanieMolsterDesigns.com and JanieMolsterDesigns on Instagram and uh, we are so excited for the world to to see this book. <laughs> and I hope it resonates with everyone. You all have been so adorable, and with your nice comments. You know, it's uh, it's been certainly our baby for so long, and uh, it's so fun to talk to people who've had a chance to see it. So I'll be glad when you know your readers can also have a look. Oh my gosh, everyone's gonna love, love it. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. We felt lucky that we got to see it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you're so nice. Thank you. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. 
To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!